Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. As you guys might know, or if you've been following us for the last 10 to even 12 weeks, actually, because we took a break in the middle of this series. Uh, but finally, we have come to the last part of our study on the Ten Commandments, part 10. Oh, wow. I, I, I definitely uh, was nervous when the Lord impressed upon my heart to do this series, and, uh, but I've been so blessed. And I hope that you've been blessed too. You know, this has been a powerful time of just reflecting on my own behavior, my own thinking, and also going back to what God wants us to do to live and, and how we should treat the people around us. Amen. You know, so today is the last part of the four plus six series. And uh, why don't we read some scripture right now? Amen. What well, before that, we have a big portion of scripture to read today because we want to read the whole of the Ten Commandments. But before that, let's pray to God and ask Him to soften our hearts. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, we commit today's preaching into your hands, Lord. Lord, Holy Spirit, take over. God, we stretch off our hands to receive your correction and your encouragement for us today. Lord, teach us, Lord, how we should live and how we can honour you. And Lord, with our fists clenched, we ask you for strength, strength to help us to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 4 plus 6 is the name of the series that we are currently in. And uh, this is a study of the Ten Commandments. So why don't we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 21. Uh, in the previous weeks, we've just been focusing on that particular commandment. But I thought since it's the last uh, a part of this 10-part series, uh, all of it is available on, I think, YouTube and, and Spotify and all the places you can find podcasts. Um, just in case you want to catch up and just in case you want to listen to it again. Um, but for one last time, let's read the Ten Commandments. Amen. Giving us some context in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. And that's what we want to do. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. That's right. The word of God is for us who are living. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountain. So this is God's face-to-face -face command, God speaking from his heart, something we should take seriously. He said, let's pay attention, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments." 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, your, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so that's the first four commands of the four plus six. Let's move on. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you and your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And this last command is what we want to focus on today. Verse 21, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. And that's the rest of the six commandments. And these are the, the, the highest laws of God uh, for the nation of Israel. And this is not only a, a, a law on how God's people should live, uh, but it's also a law on how we should treat the people around us. Uh, this is a beautiful law that helps us to love God with our all and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that brings us to our topic for today. And so if you're taking our notes, write down, you shall not covet. You shall not covet. Now, what does covet mean? You know, this is probably the least understood, uh, at least on the surface, uh, command uh, from all that we have read. We all know what is steal. We know what is murder and we, we don't do that. We know what is lying and we, we know that's frowned upon. Uh, we know, you know, uh, what is making idols and we know what is the Sabbath, taking a break and not uh, no abusing the people who work for us and making sure that their welfare is taken care of as well. But what is covered? And, and covet is basically this, right? Uh, covet uh, in the Hebrew word uh, means to desire or to be attracted to the point of wanting it for ourselves. And so it's an attitude thing. It's a heart thing. And that's why sometimes we, we find it hard to understand because uh, if it's an action like stealing, killing, honoring our parents is something that we can see in the physical and something that we can either, uh, you know, avoid or we can emulate if it's good. But what is covered? Covered is, is from the heart. It, if I can put it in the simplest of words, it is envy. It is jealousy. But, but so much more worse than that. It is essentially wanting something so much, specifically something that belongs to somebody else, and convincing ourselves that unless I have that exact thing, I will not be happy. 
and I will not be satisfied. You know, in the study of, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think commandment number six, you know, you shall not murder. Uh, and also to a certain extent, you know, commandment uh, number seven, you know, uh, about committing adultery. Uh, Jesus taught that it's not just the action, it's also the intention. And so it's not just about physically harming someone for murder, it starts with hating them. Uh, and, and it's not just about having an affair, committing adultery, uh, but it's about uh, uh, having lust, you know, looking at someone lustfully. And so the last command is basically the intention for all bad behavior. In other words, it all starts with us coveting. You know, the scripture says, do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not covet your neighbor's house, you know, or your neighbor's field, uh, the, the, his, his businesses, his servants, uh, uh, his possessions, his ox, his donkey, and anything. And so, in other words, what causes us to steal uh, when we look at something that doesn't belong to us and we want to have it? What causes us to commit adultery when we look at something that doesn't belong to us and we say to ourselves, we must have it? What causes us to, to, to kill when we look at something that doesn't belong to us and, and we want to have it and in the process of having it, we will resort to violent ways and, and other despicable acts. And so the last one is also God's way of convicting us and say that, hey, just in case you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't do this, I don't do that, you know, I'm decent to my parents, um, but we all have been guilty of jealousy, we have all been guilty of greed, we have all been guilty. And so this is also to, to, to set our hearts in, in basically reminding us that, hey, none of us are perfect, none of us are saints. And I know this sounds <laughs> a depressing start, but that is not the aim of our study of God's Word. We want the loudest to speak to us, even if it's uncomfortable, so that it can set us free. Amen? And so we want to go in a little bit deeper, if that's okay. If that's the surface level of what is coveting, um, but let's go in a little bit deeper. You know, but first of all, I just want you to also know that, you know, a coveting uh, doesn't mean copying, okay? And so, for example, if you go eat at a restaurant, like a lot of us do, and maybe it's a new restaurant, and you're not sure what to order, and then you see another table and something, the order comes, and you're like, oh, wow, that looks delicious. And then you turn to the waiter, I want to have that one. That's not coveting. That's just copying, okay? Or for example, you know, you, you bought a nice dress uh, for the girls <laughs> and, uh, you know, someone comes up to you and goes, that's a nice dress, you know? It's, no, don't say to them, oh, don't cover it, you know? No, that's just complimenting, you know? And if you feel like I just want to go out and buy a similar looking dress, a similar looking top, uh, that's not coveting, uh, that's just maybe complimenting because people say that, you know, um, kind of like, you know, copying is the 
highest form of flattery or is flattery the highest form? Anyway, basically, you know, if you're going out, especially in the modern world we live today, uh, if you're not depriving someone uh, of something that is already theirs, you're just going to a shop and buying a similar model, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a car, whether it's a dish at a restaurant, uh, that's just copying, that's just complimenting someone you've got good taste. Uh, but coveting is when our desires get the better of us. But we will go into this. I just wanted to lay that out so that we don't feel too awful about ourselves. So we ask ourselves three questions every time we study the Ten Commandments. And the first question we ask is, what does this command tell us about who we are? We want to study the human condition. We want to find out what makes us tick, especially tick in a bad way. Well, the truth is this. What does this command tell us about who we are? If we're honest enough, the answer is we think that God is not fair. Every time we look at something that belongs to somebody else, whether it's their wife, whether it's their success, whether it's their house, their car, you know, and sometimes this happens to us, you know, um, most commonly on Instagram, uh, right? We scroll and we look at our friends uh, having a holiday. And of course, just want to clarify, just in case you don't know already, social media, it's exaggerated. It's a lie. Snapshots do not define us. And so we, unfortunately, will look at the snapshot of a person's life and we forget momentarily that it might be, you know, artificial. Uh, there might be 100 filters. They might have taken, you know, five hours to get that perfect shot of the northern lights of the sunset, you know, or whatever it is. And we allow them to create a jealousy, create bitterness, um, but not just create bitterness and jealousy, uh, but create resentment within us, specifically resentment to God. Because essentially what we're saying is this, God, I'm a good person, you know, or, or, or we tell that to ourselves. I'm a good person, you know, I, I do what is right. How come... I'm not enjoying the same benefits as my friend, you know, as my friend who is the same as me. And so if we both are doing the same amount of good, how come he's enjoying more than me? Therefore, God, you must not be fair. And, and, and this, this dissatisfaction, this insecurity makes us suspicious of God. And we begin to wonder, God, are you even real? If you are real, I don't think you're fair. And, and, and if you're not fair, I don't care if you are real or not. And then this is a poisonous mindset. This is a wrong mindset. But if we are honest, truly honest with ourselves, this is a mindset that we go through all the time. And a lot of us, we go through it, right? You know, we look at somebody and we begin to be sad. We begin to be dissatisfied uh, with what we have. And I want you to know that even Christians, even pastors, we can go through that. You know, I will be lying if I told you there were not moments where I looked at another person's ministry, I look at another person's success, and I go like, God, how come uh, that person is successful. How come I'm serving you too, Lord? How come I'm, I'm sacrificing too, God? But how come that person's church is bigger? How come that person's platform is bigger? How come that pastor is featured on that magazine? And how come that pastor is famous? And, and when we have moments like that, 
And if you're truly honest, there are times where we might even look, even married people, we can look at another person's family. We look at another person's marriage. And we look at how the husband takes care of the wife and how the wife lovingly supports the husband, cooks for him, washes for him, or, or I don't know, or is such a great mother, that we begin to go like, wow, I wish, this is where it, became, it, it, it goes from a strange look and it, it, it turns into covetousness when we begin to say, how come my wife is not like that? How come my husband is not like that? How come my life is not like that? And, and this can happen not just to married people, but even single people. And sometimes we can be single and we look at someone in, with a relationship and we go like, wow, why is that beautiful girl, <laughs> if I can be honest, why is that beautiful girl going out with a bum like that? She should be with me. Hmm? We've been there maybe. Uh, or the other way around. You look at that and go like, oh, no, he's so good looking. That guy, he's so manly, man, man. You know, why? Why is, why is he marrying someone who, who is not like him? Why is he with someone who doesn't appreciate him? You know, and, and, and that becomes coveting. When we begin to crave, when we begin to want, when we begin to think that that thing that already belongs to somebody else, if only I can have that it will also make me happy. We look at our friend's success. We look at our friend's bank account. We look at their big houses and we look at their holidays. We look at the life that they seemingly look so happy and we go like, how come? God, you are so unfair. God, how come? You know, I honor you, but I'm not getting that kind of promotion. I'm not getting that kind of testimony. And sometimes we can even resent for not just material things, but good things. God, I've been praying, I've been fasting, and I've been, I've been desiring for a healing, something as noble as a healing, a healing to a condition on my body, a healing to a particular disease that has eaten up my loved one. And God, how come I'm hearing of another person uh, having a breakthrough? How come another person who who doesn't know God has beaten cancer and, and my family who knows you and loves you is ravaged by it. Now, we might not always know the whys, but, but the Bible teaches us that we should trust. You see, the devil wants to poison our mindset. And, and as early as the Garden of Eden, it was a suspicion. You know, you know, God, he's not fair. God, he's not good. He doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to touch that fruit, whispered the serpent into Eve's ear. And we being weak, we being gullible, we fell for it. And, and, and until today, that original sin still lives in us. We are still suspicious towards God's nature uh, because maybe we've been disappointed before. Isn't it true? Whenever we have been disappointed, whether by something that's justified or unjustified, uh, it makes us distrust that process or that person. And sometimes, you know, we go through life and we allow what we go through to color our perception of God. And that is what this command tells us about who we are. But what was Jesus' remedy for it? What was Jesus' solution? Jesus, knowing our broken nature, came to heal us, came to set us free, 
came to set the record straight, you know, for God, for his father in heaven. And he says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11. Why don't we turn that? Matthew 7, 9 to 11 says this. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, for illustration purposes, you know, I put some presence at the back there because some church members have been very kind, you know, very kind to, 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 to bless. And so, you know, this is just illustration to prove that, yeah, Jesus, you're right. If we being broken, if we being imperfect, uh, uh, would still want to bless the people we love uh, with good things, with a present, uh, even with a card, you know, and, and all of us, you know, we've gone out into the streets to be a blessing, and God is saying, what more, your Father in heaven? If you, being so inconsistent, can sometimes have moments like the Project Christmas Cheer in December, where we went out and we made a difference to at least 100 people, what more, your Father in heaven, who is good? He will not deny you of good things. What Jesus is trying to get at is our perception of God. You see, many times when we allow what we go through to color our view uh, of God, uh, that creates a wrong perception. You know, I've said this many times before. Uh, if you don't know that I'm married to Pastor Cat, and then you see one day on the street, oh, that's Pastor Dave. And then suddenly I reach over and I, I hold Pastor Cat's hand and I give her a smooch on the cheek. Uh, you might be going like, what did I just see? Oh no, who is that? Why is pastor touching inappropriately that lady from church? Why is this? This is wrong. This is wrong. We need to report him. That's because you don't know or you, or, or you don't know uh, the relationship uh, uh, we have. And that has given you the wrong perception. And even when I do the right thing, the wrong perception makes you think that it is a wrong thing, an unfair thing. Jesus is reminding us, God is not some far away force. God is not some statue. God is not the, 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 the you know, universe or, or whatever you want to perceive. God is person. He is father. He is our father in heaven and he loves us like a father. God knows what we need. God knows that we are hurting. And even though we might be going through, uh, you know, maybe a season where we're doing a lot, but not seeing results, and it's very tempting to look to our left or our right and, and wonder how come they are having more results, you know, either I'm doing something wrong or I've heard wrong from God or God, you are just wrong. Oh God, you just don't want me to grow. You just don't want me to prosper. You don't want me to succeed. No, God is a father and he knows what you need, when you need it, how you need to learn it. And so Jesus is writing us, the remedy is this, God is not unfair. God is not a judge. One day, he will come back and judge us. But as far as now, 
He is a father. He is a father who loves us. And Jesus constantly preached this. My father, you know, uh, he, he, he loves you. He says here, my father who is in heaven or your father who is in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. So maybe that's another remedy. Instead of complaining, instead of looking to the left and right, instead of grumbling, why don't you ask God? Why do you say, God, how come? Uh, I'm still single. God, how come my marriage is not flourishing? God, how come uh, um, that promotion uh, uh, passed me by? God, how come uh, I didn't get that job? How come I failed that interview? How come I failed this? Instead of trying to put your own uh, jigsaw puzzle pieces together about God based on your limited life experience, Go to God. He is your father. He will not hate you. And no matter what you're asking for, go to God and allow him to explain. You know, if you feel like you have the right to be angry towards God, then you must also at least give God the right to speak and the right to explain. First of all, we don't have the right to be angry with God. But I'm just using that as a metaphor. Let's turn to God. Let's not forget that we serve not the void called the universe, not some man-made religion. God doesn't look like Santa Claus. God is our Father. He loves us. Amen. And, and that is, that is Jesus' remedy, Jesus' solution uh, for our wrong thinking that God is not fair. So why was this command given? Let's move on to the second question. Why was this command given to the people? You know, why was this command given to the nation of Israel? Why was this command still given, still repeated to us today? Because the truth is this, we must be aware that our desires can overcome us. Are our desires wrong? No, God gave us our desires. Our desires create our wants and needs. But we are to go to God with our wants and needs and allow God to meet them. The problem is this, that we don't know God or we don't trust God. And so when we have a desire, eventually that desire overcomes us. You know, we have this saying, uh, those of us who study law, that there are certain crimes that are called crimes of passion, uh, uh, you know, where someone is, is, is brutally murdered, chopped into many pieces. I know, great illustration for Sunday morning church, you know, or, or you know, just, just horrible, horrible things. And, and they realize that it's not some serial killer who did it, but it was the, the wife or the mistress uh, because, you know, something that their, their desire uh, overtook them and, 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 and made them, you know, I don't want to say have a moment of insanity, but basically they lost control. They lost control because they became overcame with their desire. And this is a very real problem. And so Jesus is trying to tell us, and God is trying to tell us through his word that, hey, watch out. You know, don't think that you don't have a problem. Like I said, this command is probably the, the least understood and the least known. You know, there was an article I read that uh, there was a priest that uh, was interviewed, you know, who, who served many years, at least 50 years. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, a lot of people go to him for prayer and confession. And he said that I have heard confessions for all sorts of, 
of sin and crime and an awful thing. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't ever remember someone coming up to me and confessing towards the sin of covetousness because we are doing it even before we realize it is wrong. We justify by saying that, ah, this is, this is just ambition. No, it's not ambition. You know, it's a fine line. It is good to be ambitious. But when you want something, when you crave something, when, you, when your eye is set on something that it makes you so unhappy, so disgusted uh, of what you have, then your emotions, your desires have overcome you. You know, I've met people, unfortunately, who, who have said things like that. God, you know, if you don't give me that girl, then you are not real. God, if, if, you know, how come you didn't give me that promotion? How come you didn't give me that job? How come you didn't give me the entrance to that particular university? I'm so mad, therefore you are not real. Covetousness makes us crave something so much that we, like a baby that throws his toys out of, I don't know, you know, the, 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 the pram, uh, we throw a tantrum that we begin to rip and destroy what we have. That is when our desires overcome us. That is when our desires begin to poison us. And this is something that we need to be aware of, that nobody is immune. You know, we've all been there before. Have you been there when you go into a plane and instead of turning left, you turn right? If you know what I'm saying, because you turn left, it's business class, first class, turn right, it's economy. I uh, know not a lot of people are flying nowadays, but sometimes we can we can turn right and then we go like, mm, you know, oh, why? You know, if one day, one day, you know, I, I know I used to have a problem every time the... <laughs> The S to it, um, or, you know, I find it very strange that takeoff, um, you know, everyone's like on the same boat, you know, like, um, you know, all the, the, the there's no partition. Uh, we can be on the left and right side, no back of the plane, front of the plane. Uh, but when we're taking off and landing, uh, there's no divider. If next time you fly, you'll notice this. You know, the S to it and the S to it will actually, you know, uh, make sure the curtains are, are, are open. Um, so that in case of emergency, they can see all the way down and they can rush down and up if they need to. And that is also the time where you can view into, uh, you know, the classes ahead of you. And I used to be so triggered by it. I'm like, why their TV is bigger? You know, how come all oh, that person, you know, he's so young. Why does he need business class, you know, and, and all these things. Uh, and we're not careful, you know, sometimes it can poison us and makes us, you know, frustrated with what we have. Frustrated at the very fact that, hey, you're flying. A lot of people uh, live their entire lives without stepping onto a plane and you're stepping onto a plane. So, 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 you know, how easily our emotions, how easily our desires can overcome us. And, and Jesus knows this and he reminds us in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 15. Luke 12 13 to 15, Jesus says this, right? Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? You see Jesus' reluctance to even pass judgment. But he's also saying that, No, I'm not a judge. I got no, no business in this. But then he did give them this very powerful advice. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Take heed 
and beware. That's like a double warning. That's like Jesus saying, warning, warning. Pay attention, warning. You know that Jesus doesn't mince his words. You know Jesus plans everything. And so when he says, warning, warning, danger, danger, we need to pay attention. And he's saying that beware of covetousness because it creeps up on you. You think that you're just having an inheritance issue, but it's covetousness, it's greed, it's jealousy. And if you're not careful, these covetousness will overcome you uh, and then you hate your brother so much that you plot to kill him. And that's where covetousness leads to murder or covetousness leads to theft and you begin to steal your brother's inheritance, begin to steal you know, your, your, your brother's wife. And do and, and you see how Jesus is reminding us, do not underestimate that, that this, this desire can overtake you, can poison you and can lead you to other sin. But he also gives us a remedy. He says here that life is not defined. Jesus said that life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses or one possesses. In, in other words, Jesus is saying that, hey, don't fall into you know, the sin of coveting because your life is not defined by how much you have. It is not defined by your material possessions. And Jesus here is trying to warn us, hey, don't cover. Life is not about that promotion. Life is not about that holiday. Life is not about money. Life is not even about being married. Because sometimes we can cover and go like, oh, how come I'm still single? How come I'm still single? You know, and, and, and it works both ways. Ironic, isn't it? Those who are single wish that they're married. Some who are married wish that they were single. Those without children who desire for children. Those with children wish that they didn't have children. And, and we are never satisfied. You know, people who live in a hot climate country want to move to a cold climate country. A cold climate country person, a citizen wants to move to a warm climate country to retire. You know, the, the West feels like the East is more exotic and the East feels like the West is more modern. Uh, we are creatures of covetousness and Jesus warns us and says that life is not about that. Life is not about even being married or having children because if it were, Jesus would be married and he would have children, but Jesus was single. Life is not about sex. Otherwise, Jesus, you know, he would, okay, I don't want to bring us there, but Jesus lived the sexually pure life, telling us that life is not about this. Life is not about hedonism. Life is not about pleasure. Life is not about the car. Life is not about first class, business class. It's not about these things. You are not defined by what you wear. You are defined by who you know. And that's why Jesus preached the gospel. The Father loves you. The Father's kingdom has come. No, pray. The way you should pray is our Father in heaven. God is not some in-person force. He is a Father. It is not the what, but the who. And a Christian's uh, greatest goal in life is not to be rich. It's not to be married. It's not to have children. It's not to have a big church. If you're pastor serving a ministry, it's not to be famous, it's not to travel the world, it is to know God and to make him known. It is the who 
that will set you free. Money will not set you free. You know, um, the, the person who, who, who built Rockefeller Center, I think, I can't remember his name, but he's an American businessman. I think it's uh, John D. Rockefeller. Uh, basically, they asked him, because he was a rich man at that time, in the 1950s, if I'm mistaken, and they asked him, how much is enough? And he says that a little bit more. He, Show me a rich man who is satisfied with his riches. No, no. A billionaire wants to be a trillionaire. A trillionaire wants to be whatever that comes after a trillion. <laughs> and, and, and all that will not satisfy. All that will leave you empty, restless. But knowing God will find you good rest and perfect peace. Amen. And so remind yourself, hey, I got to be watchful. And if Jesus is mindful enough to say, danger, danger, take heed, beware, then I need to take heed and beware and take stock. Master your own emotions. Don't let your emotions master you. Master your own desires. Don't let your desires master you. But you might be saying, Pastor, this is easier said than done. You know, like, you know, tell me, how do I live, live this out? Well, that's good that you asked that. Because our third question to ask ourselves today is how do we live this out? How do we live this out today? And the answer is this. We need to keep our eyes on what we do have and keep them off what we don't have. I'm going to say that one more time. We need to keep our eyes on what we do have and keep them off what we don't have. You see, Covetousness leads us to keep our eyes on what we don't have and keep our eyes off what we do have. But we need to learn to say that, God, I'm thankful. God, you are a good father in heaven who will never deny me things I need. So I thank you, Lord, for the things I do have. In, just in case, I'm not sure if this will come through, uh, but there's some drilling, uh, uh, apologies, there's some construction happening uh, at my uh, place you know, and anyway, maybe God is trying to tell you, hey, he's doing some construction in your heart. Anyway, let's go on. Apologies for the noise. You know, we're trying to cut it out as much as possible. And so we need to keep our eyes on what we do have. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 33. Matthew 6, 31, 33 says this, right? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first God. Eyes first God. You know, have you, have you seen, uh, uh, you know, I, I know there's some t-shirt in a, a women retail stores that, that says, my eyes are up here, you know, as in like, you know, stop staring at, at my chest. And, and so God is also trying to stop staring at the possession, stop staring at another person's success. Eyes up here, eyes up to God. Seek first. Don't be like people who don't know God. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the pagans who don't know God and spend their entire life hustling and running after all these things. But God, your Father in heaven, knows that you need these things. He knows. But seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so God is saying that, hey, learn to be grateful. 
Learn to have the right perception of God. Learn to put your eyes in the right place. God loves you. He has given you. And, and he knows that you, you, you need, that you like to have things to wear and nice food to eat. God knows. But God is also saying that those are not the most important things. And running after those things will distract you and cause you to miss out on your destiny and God-given purposes here on earth. Instead, eyes on me, says God. Seek ye first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So maybe let's learn to be thankful. God, know your kingdom, your righteousness. All right, God, I, I, I live to know you and to make you known. I live to expand your kingdom. I live uh, a righteous life to please you. I want to live in a righteous way to be a blessing. And so my eyes, my focus is on expanding your kingdom and living righteously to be a blessing to my neighbors and to honor you. God says when you do this, all these things will be added to you. So instead of wondering how come I, 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 my, my, I missed that promotion, look at the job you have and go like, God, I thank you that I have this job that you've given me. And God, help me to live and work righteously in this job. Help me to expand your kingdom through this job. And all these things, the promotion will come. Uh, the, the pay increase will come. The bonus will come. God, I, I might not be married right now. You've given me the gift of singleness. It's not a forever gift. You know, for most people, it's not a forever gift. For some people, it is not only a gift, but it's an amazing calling. But then what we need to do is instead of despising your singlehood, begin to say, God, there is a reason why I am single. And it is so that I can model out righteous living as a single person and I can expand your kingdom as a single person. You know, when I was single, uh, before I got married with Pastor Cat, you know, I used to be able to, to just, you know, do missions like that. Sometimes last minute, uh, they, they, they need uh, extra help in one of our international church plans and, and I would just be told on a Thursday, and immediately on a Friday, I will pack my bags and, and jump on a flight and, and go to Indonesia for a weekend to minister and help the team there. You know, if Botswana needs my help, I just, you know, uh, pick up my bags two days later and hop on a plane. But when I got married, it is, it's, I'm still doing those things, but then it doesn't, I can't just take off like that. And so maybe what we need to do is cherish God while I'm single, help me to, to go out in a blaze of glory for your kingdom and help me to live righteously, to role model your whole for people around us. And maybe some of us, you know, we are having a family and, and, and you, you might be dissatisfied. Maybe there has been a communication breakdown. Maybe there has been hurt in your marriage. But instead of saying that, how come my wife is not as kind? How come my wife is not as a good cook as that person? How come my husband is not as loving? How come my wife is not as, as open as another person? Begin to say, God, I thank you that you, you have blessed me with wife. So God, help me to, to love my wife, help me uh, to, to, to be righteous, be a righteous husband, be a, you know, to my wife, to my husband, uh, be a righteous parent to my children. Uh, and, and God, I believe that you will cause that to be healing. You know, sometimes, no, we might wish, ah, oh, I wish my spouse was more romantic. And certain things, it's not so easy to teach, right? You can't just say that, hey, I like candlelight dinner. And then when if the person does it, that's not romantic. That person is just doing what you ask. 
And so, you know, sometimes things like romance, creativity, spontaneity, you know, we got to say, God, I, 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 my spouse might not be the most creative, but you know what? I, I like that. But hey, God, you know the desires of my heart. I'm just going to love who you have put in my life and then trust that you will change him and, and that you will speak to him and that you will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes and 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 if you know some some of my friends you know they are married and they're trying for children and it leads to miscarriage or they're childless and they get frustrated but maybe hey it's time to just enjoy that time as a couple before the children come and when the children come enjoy the children before the children leave to university and to start a family of their own seek ye first his kingdom his righteousness when you prioritize god's kingdom and righteous living God will cause all your needs to be met. But let me give you one extra bonus. Is that okay? And as I was preparing for this, I thought that, you know, it really ties in into everything that we talked about today, about how we should view God as a father, not some in-person force. And how we, uh, it's so easy for us. We are so weak that there are days, there are moments, minutes, seconds, where our desires can overtake us and we end up doing something stupid, saying something silly. And God wants to help us to overcome. God even wants to help us to keep our eyes on the right prize, Him. And Jesus, I find, summarized all this in a very powerful teaching He did. And this is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Matthew 6, 9 to 13 is none other than the Lord's Prayer. That's right. You know, I want to end by teaching us, reminding us the power of the Lord's Prayer. In fact, what I might do next year uh, is that I might even dedicate one Sunday to teaching us again on the power of the Lord's Prayer and, and how that will be a very powerful habit for 2021. In fact, I might do a new series. Oh no, I'm not trying to, it's, don't, it's not 10 parts, don't worry, but maybe a three-part series on habits. Just called Habits, a three-part series on habits for 2021. Don't worry. It, when it comes, it'll come, but I just feel it brewing in my heart. In the meantime, I'm just going to seek the Lord and prepare the message. But right now, I'm going to give you a sneak peek. So how do we begin to overcome our distrust of God and begin to learn uh, that He is good and He can be trusted? How do we guard our hearts against the dangerous desires and the brokenness within? And how do we keep our eyes on the prize and, and fix our eyes on God's kingdom and His righteousness? Well, Jesus summarized it all in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says this, In this manner, Jesus taught, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. So God is saying that keep your eyes on what you have, right? So what do we have? A father in heaven. We have a father in heaven. This is not some emperor in heaven. This is a father, family, father in heaven who is holy who is powerful and hallowed be your name. And so keep your eyes on what we have, keep your eyes off on what we don't have. We don't have a cruel master in, in, in space. We have a father in heaven, right? Who, who and, and we have a father in heaven who has a kingdom that he wants to come 
and a will that he wants to be done on earth. So keep our eyes on God's kingdom and keep our eyes on God's will. What we have right now is God's will for us. So let's learn to focus what I do have. Oh, this is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. If God wanted you to have that promotion, he would give you. And God will give us good things in the right time. But just like how we don't give a car to a baby because a baby, you know, as much as a baby likes a car, we cannot get a Ferrari for a baby. It would, you know, the, the Ferrari will be underused and the, the baby would be in danger. Both will be destroyed. And so God is saying the same thing. You have a father in heaven and keep your eyes on him. He has a kingdom and a will that is to be done. Keep your eyes on that. And he has a daily bread, daily portion for us. And be thankful for that. Keep your eyes on what you do have. God, I thank you for the daily bread of, of the roof over my head. I thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of my job. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread. Even if you're jobless, just go like, thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of free time. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of singlehood. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of marriage. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of my children. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of my friends. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of my church. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread of everything I have, right? And it says this, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Instead of looking at our friends, our neighbors, as someone to manipulate, as someone that doesn't be, uh, deserve good things. That's another way, you know, covetousness poisons our heart. Instead of celebrating our friends' success, celebrating their strong marriage, we begin to think that they are unworthy, unfit to have that, to have that house, to have that holiday, to have that ministry. You deserved it. But instead, Jesus says, forgive. When you look at the people around you, begin to celebrate them, begin to love them. And even if they have offended you, and maybe that's why you feel like they don't deserve it because if you feel like they have not you know, been the most righteous, they have not been the most righteous towards you. But God says, even if that is the case, forgive them. For, you know, just as how God has forgiven us. And what about our, our evil intentions? It says here, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one, the devil, the one that originally whispered that covetousness into Eve's heart, saying that God's not good. He's a petty man that is afraid of your potential. Grab that fruit and be the best version of you that you can be. That's right, you grab it instead of trusting God to gift it at the right time and the right place. And so how do we do this? God, I understand that I'm being tempted, so lead me not into temptation and deliver me from some of these demonic voices that haunt me. For yours is the kingdom, the power and glory forever. Amen. Saying that God, as I pray all this, my faith is in your ability to watch over me and enable me to overcome. Amen. This is just a short, simple teaching, but the Lord's Prayer is powerful. And maybe that's what more of us need to do. Maybe that's how we live it out today. Instead of just, you know, keeping blinders on our eyes, because sometimes we cannot help when we scroll, you know, uh, social media and we see, wow, other people seem to be so much more exciting than us. You know, what's the remedy? Do we spiral into depression? No, let's begin to say the Lord's Prayer and allow our eyes to focus on what we do have 
a Father in heaven who loves us, who wants to set us free from our evil intentions and is graciously blessing us with daily bread every day. Make the Lord's Prayer your new habit. Why don't you start the day with the Lord's Prayer? End the day of the Lord's Prayer. Make the Lord's Prayer. I know this sounds traditional, but make the Lord's Prayer a, a, a constant meditation on your lips. You know, we always say sometimes, you know, when you don't know how to pray, speak in tongues. If you don't know how to speak in tongues, say the Lord's Prayer. We're living in a pandemic. When you wash your hands 20 seconds, instead of singing happy birthday to you, let us sing happy birthday to you. <laughs> but you recite the Lord's Prayer. It's at least 20 seconds. And it not only cleans your hand, but it cleans your heart and it protects your soul. Amen. I hope that you've been blessed. And, uh, you know, even as I want to bring things to an end, you know, I definitely uh, have been blessed uh, by my time with God, uh, discovering the Ten Commandments all over again. And I want you to know that Jesus is serious when he said that, you know, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. And so in Jesus, we have someone who fulfilled all Ten Commandments for our behalf. These are 10 commands that God says we should live by. And if we can live this without failing, then we are righteous. Guess what? We have all failed in one or the other. If not all 10, then at least one, if not more than that. Usually it's more than that. But Jesus lived all of this out. He never failed, never faltered, not even for a second. And he lived this out for us. And so the study of Ten Commandments is not just remind us, you know, how we should change our actions. It is reminding us also that it is Jesus who will enable us to change our actions. So don't just try to, you know, change your behavior. Allow God in. And this is beautiful, you know, because when you begin to practice the Ten Commandments, you'll find that they complement each other from the first to the last. We read today, you shall have no other gods before me. And the last one we learned today is covetousness. Covetousness makes our eyes wander. And the first command God is saying that do not wander, do not have other gods, other things before you, only have him. And so the key towards overcoming our covetousness is to have no other gods before us. The, sec- the second last one, which we learned last week, is, you know, uh, do not lie. And uh, do not bear false witness. Do not lie. You know, and when we lie, we begin to scheme, we begin to manipulate, we begin to look at the people in our lives as chess pieces that we can move around using our deception, using our schemes. What was commandment number two? Do not make idols. Do not objectify God. Do not reduce God to an object that you can control, that you can worship when and how you choose and please. God cannot be minimized. He needs to be worshipped as it is. And so God is saying that, how do you not uh, uh, see pieces as, uh, see people as chess pieces to be manipulated? Well, when you learn to not make idols, when you learn not to objectify God, you will not reduce people to objects as well. Amen. And then it says that, you know, commandment number three, you know, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, you know, represent me, you know, uh, and, and that's what we learn, right? And uh, the, the, the uh, commandment eight, what was commandment eight again? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, this is a spontaneous part. It's not in my notes. Let me just flip to it. Apologies. I've been doing this so much that 
Commandment eight is this: you shall not steal. And you know, stealing theft, theft comes with deceitfulness. And God is saying that, hey, represent me. You know, I'm a, I, I'm a generous God. So don't just hoard, give, be generous. And that is many times the, 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 the way to overcome stealing when we begin to give, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then God says in commandment number four, you know, keep the Sabbath, learn to rest. You're only human, you need to rest. You know, commandment number seven says, you know, do not commit adultery. Adultery, we learn, is looking for love in the wrong places because we are stressed out, because we feel underappreciated. And God is saying, come to me for your rest. Rest in me. Be loved by me. Sit in my presence and be reminded of how much I love you, love you, love you. And when we do that, our eyes do not wander, our hearts do not lust. And of course, you know, in a way, it bookends onto each other. Commandment number five, even though it's not directly towards God, it is about God, but he talks about earthly authority. Honor your father and your mother. And what is commandment number six? Do not murder. Do not hate. And so you cannot hate and honor at the same time. But when you honor, you find that you have less capacity to hate. And so I find that the commandments, the more you dwell on them, they're beautiful, they complement each other, they set you free. And I hope that this teaching, this journey that we've been, uh, has set you free as well and will continue to set you free. Allow me to pray. Lord, I thank you for all that you are doing. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And so God, again, we pray that today, uh, even as we end up with do not covet, Lord, this is basically reminding us that in us is an evil jealousy, evil envy, uh, uh, over ambition, um, that there's once, 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 once. And by God, we are to keep our eyes on you. So Lord, again, Lord, we uh, uh, recite the Lord's prayer as we end that Lord, thank you that we have a Father in heaven. Lord, thank you that your name is holy and yet you love us. Lord, I thank you that you have a kingdom that will be coming, a kingdom that will be perfect, a kingdom where there's no lack, no pain, no hurt, and a will to be done. And God, we thank you for your involvement of us in that will. So God, we ask that it be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. God, I thank you, Lord, for all that we do have. Lord, thank you. Teach us to be content with our daily bread. And Lord, we rejoice that it is daily, that every day you give us our portion for the day. Every day there's increase. Every day there's provision. So God, we keep our eyes on the prize. Thank you, Lord, for our everyday blessing, no matter how big or small. God, we recognize our, our covetousness nature. Jesus, you warn us, take heed, beware against covetousness. And so God, we ask also, Lord, uh, that you uh, help us, Lord, to forgive, help us not view the people around us with hate and anger and resentment, with jealousy. But Lord, forgive us of our debts as you forgive those uh, who owe us a debt. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Lord, you have the power to deliver us from our pettiness. And so God, I declare a breakthrough for everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I close, I also just want to very quickly give you an invitation uh, to invite Jesus into your heart. Like I said, this whole study on the Ten Commandments is called 4 plus 6 because it truly is 
Jesus who made it all possible. And that's why we'll be intentional in studying what did Jesus teach about how to live this out. But you know how we can live this out? It starts not just with us obeying what Jesus has taught, but us letting God in. Obedience is not about pushing ourselves uh, to, uh, you know, submit to God. It's about letting God in so that he can pull us into submission. Would you let God into your life? Would you let Jesus into your life? You know, he is the one that will complete us. Like I said today, it is not what, it is not that bank account, that wife, that per, you know, that, that perk or, or that bonus. It is not the what, material things, uh, uh, earthly things will, will, will pass and decay. But the gift of God is eternal. And God's gift to us is Jesus Christ, his son, who loved us so much that he came to earth. Christmas is about God coming near. God knew that we are so hopeless that we cannot reach heaven by our own. Even if he gives us his teaching, it is impossible for us to obey. And that's why Jesus came to earth, lived among us, role modeled out obedience, and then died on the cross for us because of what we have done in our past to hurt God, that this needs to be punished. And so Jesus took our punishment and then he died and rose again, declaring that I have conquered death. If you now believe in me, you will have new life. Your life will have new beginning. And death is just a comma. And, and once you know God, it leads to eternal life. Would you allow the gift of God called Jesus into your life today? If you would like to, I believe that God's already knocking in your heart. Would you open up your heart? This is the best thing you can do for your life ever, and especially in this Christmas season. So open up your heart, invite Jesus in. If you would like to do so after this, we're going to say a prayer, echo it with your heart, mean it, and Jesus will set you free. If you do that, the Bible says you'll be born again, and we celebrate with you. Merry Christmas, church, and God bless. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Axe, you can check out www.axechurch.uk. God bless.